Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. All right, here we go. Philippians chapter 3. We're going to read from the New King James Version, the Apostle Paul writing here. And here's what he says. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. So let me just stop right there. He said, finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Just that right there. We we could just sit on that one statement, that one admonition, that one instruction, and just talk about it because how many of us know this? In fact, he's going to say it again later on, but we don't do it. We don't rejoice in the Lord, or we do occasionally, but Paul is telling us and going to tell us, oh, do it all the time. So finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord. And he said, for me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it's safe. You know, sometimes repetition, things are, will say, that's redundant. Well, yeah, but, you know, just because we've heard it, just because we know it, that doesn't mean we do it. So Paul said, it's not tedious for me. I'll go over the same things again and again because it's safe for you. You need to hear the truth. You need to hear the way that you should be walking and such. And then in verse 2, beware of dogs. Do you think that means literal dogs? No, he's not talking about real dogs. Beware of those pit bulls. You know, they can be mean. No, he's not saying that. He's talking about human beings who have the characteristics of a dog that would be vicious, that would bite you, because people bite. People back, I don't mean literally bite, but they they bite with their words. They bite with their behaviors and such. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. So notice he says, have no confidence in the flesh. But he also said there at the beginning of that verse, he said, for we are the circumcision. In other words, okay, we're the circumcision. We are the, uh, well, if you're Jewish, then you're physically of the circumcision. But if you're in Christ, you're of the circumcision of the heart. In other words, uh, now circumcision is not a requirement for salvation, but uh, because our hearts by the blood of Jesus oh, have been circumcised. In other words, what's circumcised? Well, it's when something's cut away. Well, what's been cut away? That sinfulness, that carnality has been cut away. In other words, now you have a part of you that is not desirous of sinning and obedient. Now, of course, you still have another part that's not been circumcised, talking about your carnal mind that is being renewed through the Word of God and the flesh that still just likes to do what it wants to do, when it wants to do it, however much it wants to do it, etc. But when you're born again in your spirit, see, your spirit has been circumcised to where, man, that sinfulness was cut away, and now you've just got the life of God in your spirit, see? And so he says, we who are of the circumcision, uh, we uh, we don't have any confidence in the flesh. We don't have any confidence in the fleshly things like really getting physical, physically circumcised. Paul's not saying that Gentiles 
cannot or should not be circumcised. He's just saying, it's not going to change your spirituality. It's not going to make you saved or not saved. It's not going to make you a better Christian or a worse Christian or more righteous or less righteous. He said it, it was it's something for the Jewish people as a sign of the covenant. But in Jesus, we have confidence in the spirit and the circumcision of the heart. So he goes on to say in verse 5, uh, well, down here, let's let's start in verse four. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so circumcised the eighth day, which was the law for the Jews, the Jewish young uh, boys, uh, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He's saying, talk about being a Hebrew. I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Concerning the law of Pharisee, he said, boy, I was a Jew of the Jews, so to speak. But he said, concerning the law, the Old Testament law, I was not just Jewish and studied the law like normal Jewish boys. No, I became a Pharisee. I became, now he's not using that in a negative sense. He's using that in a positive sense. I became a scholar. I became, I went to seminary, as we would say it today. I studied, I I received my theological degree in the law. I, I went to the nth degree. So he said, concerning the law, I was a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, I was persecuting the church. See, as a Jew, they thought that the believers in Jesus, they were off. He said, so concerning zeal, he said, I was not passive. I was an activist. I was giving my beliefs all of my energy. I was persecuting the church. Concerning the righteousness, which is in the law, I was blameless. In other words, I was not uh, one of those two-faced Pharisees that were saying one thing, they were really trying to keep the law, but they really weren't. They weren't doing it behind the scenes. He said, no, I was doing it behind the scenes. He's not saying blameless like I could be saved that way because Paul's the one that makes the case you cannot be saved by keeping the law. But he's just saying, I was sincere. I was really trying to do it with all of my heart going after it. So uh, I could not be blamed as not being sincere to keep the law. Verse 7, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. He said, those those uh, attributes, those uh, successes, those uh, you know degrees of being a Pharisee and all the the climbing up the ladder, so to speak, he said, I count that a loss for Christ. He said, that's that's nothing compared to being born again, being in the family of God and having the Messiah, which is, by the way, Jewish Messiah, having the Messiah change my life. He said, all those things that I accomplished, that's nothing compared to being in Christ. Verse 8, yet indeed, I also count all things lost, lost. For the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. He said, oh, when my eyes were opened to the Lord Jesus, and, and this is the one that was prophesied about. He said, man, all that other stuff that I was trying to attain in the flesh, he said, I count that as a loss 
that I may, for the excellence, that I may have the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. He said, when I laid my down, my life down for Jesus and began to serve him, he said, I lost all that other stuff. My reputation, my friends turned against me. Uh, the, the other Jewish Pharisees and such, he said, most of them turned against me. He said, I suffered a great loss when I did this. He said, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. He said, I, I don't moan for those things. I don't say, man, I've given up a lot. No, he said, I, I count that as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. Isn't this powerful? Paul said, I'm not crying over that. He said, that's like trash. That's rubbish compared to being in the Lord, not having my own righteousness, trying to measure up through the law, but having the righteousness, which is from God by faith. Oh, glory to God, the free gift of righteousness. And you know, that righteousness is not a normal human righteousness. This is the righteousness that Jesus attained by never sinning, not being born in sin, and then being obedient on every occasion. And Paul said, that's the one I get. I get that righteousness that Jesus attained, the free gift of righteousness. Thank God. Aren't you glad we received that by faith as a free gift? So it goes on to say, uh, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Do you see the heart of Paul? Oh, he loves the Lord, that I might know him, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. Boy, that, that resurrection power has been given to us. That is for us to use in life. We don't use it as much. We don't access it as much. But let me tell you, like Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1, he prayed over us. He said that God would open your eyes to this power that raised Jesus from the dead. That is now God has directed that toward us. So he goes on to say the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. This is a very interesting phrase, the fellowship of his sufferings. You know, if you lay your life down for the Lord and you really preach the gospel and you, you try to reach out to people and you get persecuted, you get demeaned, you get attacked, maybe on social media or maybe uh, in person. But nonetheless, people uh, abandon you as friends and such. And or maybe even you get really persecuted like some of our brothers and sisters around the world who are physically attacked and persecuted. Well, Paul said that then you have something called the fellowship of his sufferings. What does that mean? That means that the suffering that Jesus himself went through, being tortured, beaten, ridiculed, stripped of his clothes twice, uh, made fun of, no telling what they did to him. But he went through tremendous suffering. He went through persecution before the cross, but especially going through the process of the cross and scourging and such, tremendous suffering. And you remember it says in Hebrews 12, 3, it says he despised the shame. He was ashamed. He was embarrassed. He's coming to be our hero. See, and so Paul says, when you go through shame, when you're persecuted, when you're put down, when you're belittled, when you're demeaned, when you're taken lightly, 
and all those things that are so hurtful. He said, you and Jesus have a fellowship there because Jesus relates to the sacrifice, the suffering, to be able to benefit other people, to get the gospel, to get salvation to people and such. And Paul says, boy, I've been, been through so many sufferings. He said, but he said, I have fellowship with the Lord because I'm following along in his footsteps and sacrificing and suffering for the sake of the gospel. And he said, in that, the Lord ministers to me and relates to me because this is the path that he walked to benefit other people. So he said, oh, that I might know him, the power of his resurrection, that's the victory, and the fellowship of his sufferings. See, that that's not something we often pray for, but let me tell you, it is a part of the ministry, and more so in some parts of the world than other parts of the world, certainly. But let me tell you, there's something about the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, being conformed to his death. Jesus died to what he wanted to do. Do you remember? Not my will, but yours be done, Father. And he said, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So Paul's saying, all of this that I'm doing, dying to myself, dying to what I would do if I could choose my own career, if I could choose my own path, my own way to make money and everything. He said, no, I've had to die to all of that and that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. So I've died to the life that I could have on earth and count all that as rubbish, that I may embrace the life that he has for me, uh, albeit with sufferings and such. But he said that I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. Paul said, I'm not living this life for this life. I'm living this life for the next life, the resurrection from the dead. And he says in verse 12, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. He said, I, I haven't got this down yet. I have not, I'm not perfected yet. He said, but I keep pressing on that I can accomplish it, that I can fulfill my ministry and attain the, the calling, the ultimate completion of my assignment, uh, which is the reason why the Lord laid hold of me and assigned me to this ministry. Verse 13, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and pressing forward to those things which are ahead. Oh, brothers and sisters, let me tell you, we all need to do that. The past can be so discouraging, but the Lord, he wants us to forget it. That doesn't mean that we don't take responsibility for mistakes that we've made. No, you can take responsibility, but then confess it, receive forgiveness, and get it out of your mind so that it doesn't discourage you and get on with today. God's grace is sufficient. And Paul said, one thing I do, I got to forget those things that are behind, and I got to move on and press on to those things which are ahead. He said, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, Paul said, it's a press. I have to keep pressing because I've got to get that prize of fulfilling my calling and pleasing the Lord. Therefore, verse uh, 15, therefore, let us as many as are mature have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. See, he's coming back to the same thing. Let's 
theme. Let's be in unity. Let's be of the same mind. Brethren, join in following my example and note those, notice this, note those who so walk. Pay attention. Note those people that walk like I'm telling you to walk because those are real, mature, trustworthy believers. Note those people who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. There are many people who would come around you and they would call themselves leaders. They would act like leaders, but they're enemies of the cross of Christ. He goes on to say, whose end is destruction and whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. He said, there are leaders who come among you, people to minister, but their, their focus is on earthly things. What benefits them? Material things or, or being esteemed highly and such. He said, their, their God is their belly. What they eat, they're always looking at what they're going to eat. What are they going to eat? And they've come to love the the good life, so to speak. And that doesn't mean that God doesn't want to bless us. He does want to bless us. But there are some people that have learned to uh, to make the gospel and the ministry a way, a, a means by which they can attain the things of the world. Instead of just receiving them from God as the Lord gives it, they're now working a system. They're using the ministry to work a system. And Paul says, no, you don't don't follow people like that. They're they're not the sincere ones. Verse 20, for our citizenship is in heaven. We should be looking beyond this life. Our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body. Oh, thank God we're going to get rid of these lowly bodies. Who will transform it, not get rid of it, but it'll be transformed. Transform our lowly bodies, body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. See, Jesus' body now can doesn't have to stay on earth. Now he can go from earth to heaven and such. He can move around. It's not aging. It's not decaying. It's not subject to death anymore. And we're going to get a body like that. Thank God. And so he says that uh, our lowly body may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Praise God. Well, what another great chapter of the Bible, Philippians chapter 3. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.